I'm so glad that you're here. If you've got your Bible this morning, I want to encourage you to open up, if you would please, to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, we're going to continue our series and actually complete the series today. We've been in, that's called Believing Beyond. So let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for a great day, a great day when we honor those who deserve honor. According to your word, those who deserve honor, Lord, we, we give them that honor today, those who protected us. But now we turn our hearts and we turn our attention to your word. And I thank you today that you're going to speak to each one of us clearly about our journey of faith, about believing beyond where we are, seeing something bigger, better, richer, and then moving forward by faith into that future. We thank you for what you do today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read in a few minutes from Mark chapter 9, but we want to finish the series today, Believing Beyond. We've been preaching for the last two months, pretty much, about faith, about believing God's promises beyond our personal circumstances, about seeing a future that God sees and then pursuing that future. And Ephesians chapter 3 tells us that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above or beyond all that we ask or even think according to his power that works in us. And it even goes on to say in the next verse that God receives glory when his great power works in our lives. So we've been talking about this for two months. And you know, I just want to say before I dive into today's message, there might be some people who say, well, you know what, they've been talking about faith for two months. Man, seems like a long time. Isn't there another topic they can talk about? Can I just tell you today, if you're going to walk with God, you've got to learn to live by faith. You just do. It's scriptural principle. And I think it's awesome that we would take two months out of 12 months in one year to encourage you to keep walking with God. If you're going to walk with God, you've got to have faith. So we've been talking about this kind of faith that believes beyond the natural picture and believes God to get involved in our lives. Faith is not just for a season faith's for the whole journey beginning to end all of it and the just are called in scripture those of us who've been justified are called to live by faith so in this series i want to back up to two important dates i want to talk about these two dates in this series the first is october 7th just over a month ago on October 7th, as a part of this series, we talked about the importance of asking. Jesus told us to ask. Paul talked about asking in Ephesians 3.20. What we ask and even think, God can do more. So we talked about the importance of asking for those things. And then we as a church, at the end of service, while we're worshiping corporately, we prayed a big prayer together and we asked God individually for the things that we needed and desired in our lives. And I want to ask you a question. Many of you were here that Sunday. If you weren't, go back in our archives on our website. Go back to October 7th and listen to the message. Because we talked about asking God for what he's promised. But I want to ask you this question today. You personally, what did you ask God for? What did you ask God for that day? I'm asking that question because sometimes we pray prayers and we walk away and forget all about it. And it's like, well, we'll see. It's kind of like rolling the dice. If my numbers come up, great. If not, I'm on my own. 
What did you ask God for on that Sunday? And then two weeks after that, on October 21st, I shared a message that talked about Mark 11, 24. Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And we talked about the process, what happens between the asking and the receiving. Jesus said, between the asking and the receiving, we're to believe that we receive. And there's no time limit on that. There's no guarantee it'll be a moment, a minute, an hour, a week, a day, a month, a year. There's no guarantee. But during that time period between the asking and the receiving, we're to believe that we receive. We're to stand in faith and believe that God's going to do what he said he would do. So today in concluding this series, I want to give you a few thoughts, really four main thoughts about how we stay in faith in the process. Because we live in a world today where people give up much too quickly. We're going to believe God to do the things that he said. Some of you have asked God for things since that day, since that October 7th date. I'm going to show you some things today in conclusion in this series to help you stay in faith. So let's look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, look at verse number 14. And when he came to the disciples, this is speaking of Jesus, when he, Jesus, came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Leave that verse on the, on the screen for a moment because I want to set this up. Jesus has been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. We referred to this a few weeks ago. He's there with Peter, James, and John. Jesus is transfigured. I guess the best way to say it is they saw Jesus as the Son of God, not just as the Son of Man. They saw the God side of Jesus. He was transfigured before them, and you know what an occasion. Not just Peter, James, and John, but Moses and Elijah showed up. It was quite a moment. But they come down off of that mountain, and while they've been on the mountain, there's a man who comes to the disciples looking for Jesus, who has a son who's possessed by an evil spirit. And this evil spirit would cause the boy to go into convulsions and fall to the ground. And it would go beyond that. At times it had caused him to fall into bodies of water trying to drown him. It had even thrown him into the fire. And probably, he probably had scars on his body, burn scars from the spirit that would tear him and throw him into fire. This man comes to the disciples looking for Jesus and said, My son is possessed. Can you help us? But for some reason the disciples were unable to. To bring deliverance to the boy. And as a result, when that didn't work, there's this huge outbreak, huge discussion that begins. Now notice what it says. He saw a great multitude around them, the disciples, and scribes disputing with them. The word dispute here means debating, arguing. It means taking sides. It doesn't just mean having a discussion. It means taking sides, taking pers perspectives, and then having an argument about what's going on. So Jesus comes off the mountain. The disciples are there. Here's this father with his boy, and here's this group of religious guys arguing with the disciples about what's happening. Now go on to the next verse. Immediately... When they saw Jesus, all the people were greatly amazed. And running to him, they greeted him. So all of a sudden, the crowd shifts, and it starts running to Jesus with Peter, James, and John coming off the mountain. Now look at verse number 16. Jesus asked the scribes, 
What are you discussing with them? The word discussing here really goes back to the word earlier. What are you debating? What's the argument? What's the fray here? Why is this crowd so divided? Why is there a dispute going on? Notice Jesus doesn't ask the disciples. He asks the scribes. What are you discussing with them? I want to talk to you for a few minutes. Number one, about disputes. About arguments. About ideas. Number one, we need to pursue faith not arguments. One of the reasons people struggle with their faith is because they want to debate with people and they want to get everybody's opinion on what they think God's going to do. Sometimes other people's wrong information can affect your faith. Jesus comes off the mountain and he hears this situation of failure with the disciples. But Jesus immediately goes to the source of the dispute and says, what's the dispute all about? Why are you arguing about this situation? Now, I'm going to show you in a few minutes why this is a big deal. But stay with me, okay? Number one today, if we're going to continue to stand in faith, we have to learn how to pursue things that build our faith, not things that bring questions to our faith. And a lot of people get caught up with disputes and questions, arguments, philosophies, ideas of men. And you know, in our world today, we still, 2,000 years later, we still deal with people who constantly want to dispute the word of God, who want to argue with Jesus, and who want to tell us we need to change the way that we think. I run into it all the time. I run into it when I go to ministers' meetings sometimes. I run into it here. I run into it there. People are always wanting to decrease my faith. Can I tell you something today? If you come and talk to me about a situation going on in your life, I am not going to speak doubt. I'm not going to decrease your faith. I'm going to speak some things that will increase your faith in the Lord. I'm not going to take you into an argument and a dispute. I'm going to take you to a thing that builds your faith and draws you closer to God, not pushes you away notice that the scribes were disputing with the disciples arguing giving their philosophies about what goes on let me give you two or three examples of what we deal with in our lives first i think the biggest example of a horrible dispute that happens all the time in people's faith is we ask god for something and then immediately we develop Plan B, just in case it doesn't work. That's a dispute. That's an argument against standing in faith. Now, I, I'm a planner in some respects. I look to the future and I kind of have certain plans and I'm praying for God to lead me. And I always look at situations and say, okay, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. But at the end of the day, I have to find out in my own heart and my walk with God, what is God saying about this and what does God want? Because what God says is where I want to be. I want to be with God's plan for my life. But so many people run to plan B and here's kind of how it works. Well, I'm going to ask God, but if it doesn't work out and he doesn't do it, then I need to be ready to go do this just in case. That's a dispute. That's an argument against faith. Here's another example. 
Well, I prayed and I asked God, but you know, God really doesn't do those kind of things very often, so I'm going to have plan B just in case. Really? Or how about this one? Well, it may not be God's will to do it for me. Even though he said he would do it in his word, it may not be his will. Let me go back to what I taught several weeks ago. If it's God's word, it's God's will for you. Grab hold of it and don't turn loose of it. Don't talk yourself out of God's blessing for your life. So be careful about developing plan B and having a, another plan in case faith doesn't work. Stay in faith. Another example is the example of condemnation. I wish I could sit down with every person that comes to this church and talk them out of living in condemnation. So many people condemned because of mistakes, condemned because of a track record, condemned because of this and this and this, and we think it disqualifies us from God's best. Your past does not disqualify you. Your past was nailed to the cross, and it died there. If God has forgiven you, you need to forgive yourself and move on and walk into the blessings of God. Walk away from that dispute. Walk away from it. And here's some examples of it. Well... Maybe I brought this on myself, so since I brought it on myself, I shouldn't expect God to help me. Are you kidding me? 99% of the problems we have in life, we bring on ourselves. God's concerned. Yeah, he wants to fix it. He wants to correct us. He wants us to think differently in the future, but he also wants us to learn our lesson and then release us to move forward. Or how about this one? Well, maybe I don't deserve this. I've been saying this for weeks. What have you ever received from God that you deserved? Do you think you deserve to have your sins forgiven to start with? Of course not. And then what about this one? Well, and, and this happens all the time, and it is condemnation. Well, so-and-so told me if I really had faith, I wouldn't be in this mess anyway. Shame on you if you're telling people they're in their messes because they didn't have faith. Shame on you for putting people in condemnation. Don't do that to people. Well, well, I guess, you know, if I really had faith, I wouldn't have a problem to start with. Are you kidding me? The reason you have faith is because you have problems. You need faith for the problems. If you don't have problems in life, you don't need faith. So be careful about getting in condemnation. And then one more thing that I think really affects us, this idea of disputing, arguing. Other people's ideas. Wow. Wow. You know, years ago, I, I heard a, a minister teaching, and he shared something that was so profound to me. I, I was a young man, a young preacher, and I'm, you know, in this young learning process. He made a statement that really caught my attention. This guy was very educated. He had a, a master's or a doctor's degree from a very well-respected university here in our state. I mean, probably the, the most recognized university in our state. He had a, a, a doctorate from there, and... Uh, very bright guy and he told a story he said if you go to the math department at the university and you ask them a question about history they will tell you that's not my field go to the history department if you go to the history department and ask them a question about math they will say that's not my department you need to go to the math department but he said, you go to any department and ask them a religious question, and every one of them is an expert. 
That's true. You know, isn't it amazing? Have you ever stopped to think about who you get your advice from on spiritual matters? Don't go down to the gal reading tarot cards and get your spiritual advice. That's foolish. Not only unscriptural and demonic, it's foolish. I mean, don't go to somebody who's never read a Bible and ask them for spiritual advice. And here's the thing about faith. If you're on a journey of faith, believing God for something, nine people out of ten that you talk to are going to give you advice contrary to God's word. So quit going to sources that want to destroy your faith. All they want to do is argue with scripture. How many have ever tried to argue with God? You never win the argument. And they're going to be people on judgment day arguing. He's going to say, sorry, never knew you. This is where plan B comes in. You get to go there. That was a little harsh, I guess. But. But disputes. Jesus comes off the mountain and here's these religious guys. Here's these religious guys, these scribes, arguing with the disciples about what's going on. Jesus recognizes it. What's the dispute? What's the argument? What's going on here? Let me just talk to you for a minute about this. James chapter 1 says that if we're hanging on to disputes, it will destabilize our faith. He says it will cause us to become double-minded. And when you're double-minded, you're unstable in all of your ways. And he said, don't think you'll ever receive from God when you're living in that double-minded state. You've got to be focused in your faith. So, so how do we deal with these arguments and disputes? I'm going to give you three things real, real quickly. First of all, we need to be on our alert and we need to beware when people start arguing against God's word. It needs to become a part of our spiritual DNA. When people start telling me things that don't line up with the word of God, eh, tune them off, turn walk away. I don't want to hear it. I don't need to hear it. I don't need your dispute. Because Colossians chapter 2 says that it can cheat us from the life of God. Disputes will literally cheat us. He said philosophies will cheat us. He said traditions of men will cheat us. They'll move us away from the principles of following Christ. So be careful when people start giving you advice that moves you away from God's word. Beware, be on the alert, and be careful when people start speaking those things into your life because it works against your faith. A second thing, we've got to learn how to take those disputes and lower them and put them down where they belong and step all over them and just walk beyond them. Colossians chapter 2 or pardon me, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that we have to learn how to cast down arguments, disputes, and everything that rises up against the knowledge of God. And not only do we rise up against that and, and cast those things down, but we have to learn to bring our thoughts into captivity where they line up with God and his word. If we don't, we get cheated. So we've got to learn how to demolish those disputes and quit listening to doubt and fear and unbelief. And a third thing, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul was war warning Timothy, this young preacher. And he says, there are some people who are absolutely obsessed with arguments and disputes. He said, when you run across those people, withdraw and separate yourself from them. I remember years ago, on a Sunday morning, I had preached a message about faith and healing. And I had a 
a group of people come up to me who were visiting our church for the first time. And, you know, I, I have never in all my years been afraid in church. I've just never been, you know, I figured church is a pretty safe place. It was the one time in my life where I actually for a few minutes got really concerned for my safety. Because these people were so angry at me. They'd come to our church from another church. They were visiting and they'd had a family member pass away and I'd preached on healing and they were so angry at me that I'd have the audacity to teach on healing when they'd had someone in their family die. And they were angry with me and they got so upset. One of the young ladies in the group, I mean, she, I thought at any moment she was going to attack me. And it wasn't that I didn't think I could beat her up. I was just afraid of what happened if I did, you know. I'm kidding. Oh, I know. Don't, holy cow, don't let the press get a hold of that one or I'm really in trouble. I don't care who you are. That was funny. <laughs> but you know, we got to learn how to separate from people who want to drag us down. Everybody here, you've got people in your life who want to drag you down. You've got, people, you've got people from other churches who want to drag you down. Well, you shouldn't be believing that stuff. Please, just go to God's word and keep walking in faith. And don't let people pull you down. And, and then one little side note here before I move forward. The whole concept of scribes. You know, when you read the ministry of Jesus, you see these religious people. One group is Pharisees. One group is Sadducees. Then the other group, scribes. Lawyers and scribes. Scribes started out as historians. They were recording history. But over time, the scribes, now listen closely, not the priests, not the spiritual leaders, scribes began to interpret the word of God. That's why when you look at the Jewish religion, in the Old Testament, God gave law, and then those laws got interpreted into hundreds of laws. That's because scribes kept interpreting things. Things that God had never said and they kept making it more and more difficult for people to walk with God. Jesus is addressing these very people. And if you want to look real closely at it, take time later in Luke chapter 11 verses 53 and 54. It says the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail Jesus vehemently and to cross examine him about many things. Can I tell you something? Religious people are the worst to try to beat you up in faith. Especially when they've limited their faith with their beliefs. They can be the worst. And it goes on to say, they were lying in wait for Jesus, seeking to catch him in something that he might say so that they could accuse him. Did you know even the scribes argued with Jesus? So we need to learn how to avoid these disputes, these arguments. Because they become a distraction to our faith. So be wise, be wise about what you hear and who you're listening to. Be wise. Be wise about who you hear and who you're listening to. Be wise about who you're reading and what you're reading. Because there's still scribes out there today. They're not anointed by God to be priests and spiritual leaders, but they're writing books and they get really famous and popular. And if you're not careful, they will deteriorate your faith. When you're reading things that are not supported by the word of God that build faith, withdraw from it. And the last thought here. Every voice is feeding you something. 
Be careful about who you're listening to. Be careful about those voices. Now, go back to verse number 19. We were reading earlier in Mark chapter 9, but I want to skip down in the same story. I want to show you something real quickly before we move forward. Verse 19. So Jesus answered and said to him, O faithless generation, or to them actually, to the scribes. What did Jesus call the scribes? Faithless. Faithless. Oh, faithless. They were the religious people of the day. And Jesus called them faithless. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the boy to me. Now skip down to verse number 22. And often, this is the story, the father begins to tell the story. Often he's thrown him into the, both the fire and the water to destroy him. Now notice what the father says. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now this is the end of this whole big story. I don't have time to go through all of it. Jesus comes off the mountain. He runs into all these disputes and arguments about what happened and what didn't happen and what they should believe and what they didn't. Jesus calls them faithless. He calls the father over, begins to have this conversation. The boy begins to roll around the dirt convulsing. And the father basically says, it's been this way forever. But if... You can do anything, please have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, this is Jesus' response. Jesus said to the Father, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. See, he addressed the scribes, you are faithless. He turns to this Father who says, if you can, and Jesus basically says, no, it's not if I can, it's if you can. If you can believe, all things are possible. Everybody look right here. If you can believe, all things are possible. I don't care what's going on in your life. If you can believe, all things are possible. But you enter into this process where you ask, and then you stand in faith, and you believe you're going to receive until you receive. It puts you in this process. See, what Jesus did, he took control of the whole situation. He exposed it. You religious guys are doubters and unbelievers. To this father, he says, believe, believe, believe. Can I tell you today, the one thing that you need to do is believe God. Believe God. Believe God. Stay focused on faith, not disputes. Number two. Now, some of you say, well, it's going to be a long message. No, I'm going to move quick the rest of this message. Number two. Number two is guard your sense of expectation. The last song we sang this morning, I love the words of it. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Man, I listen to the audience singing that and the congregation singing, Jesus Christ, my living hope. And I'm listening to that and it's just echoing around the room. And it's just going over and over inside of me because Jesus is our living hope. But I want to show you something. You don't need to turn there, but Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, Verse 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things, say it with me, hoped for. If you read throughout the New Testament, and I teach this all the time. Some of you get tired of hearing it, but stay with me a minute. If you read through the New Testament, the word hope doesn't mean wish. In English, it's a poor translation. That word doesn't come across well. 
The things that we hope for are not the things that we wish for. In the original writings, the word hope, what's translated hope, literally means expectation. What do you expect from God? So when it says Jesus Christ, our living hope, it means Jesus Christ, our living expectation. So faith is the substance of what you're expecting. It's the evidence even when it's not seen. Okay? So with that in mind, let me just take a minute. And and let me tell you, you need to guard your sense of expectation. Man, that October 7th, that day we prayed. I mean, boy, the presence of God was so big in this house and so strong. And I just stood over there while the worship team was singing after we had after we had prayed, I stood there and people are worshiping God and God's presence is so big. And I'm thinking, man, there's just so much expectation in this house. Some of you know what I'm talking about because expectation rose up inside of you. But how big was your expectation the next day? How big is your expectation five weeks later? What are you expecting God to do? See, we have to learn how to hold on to and guard that sense of expectation because what happens is if we don't hang on to that sense of expectation in essence we begin to turn loose of our faith because faith is the substance of what we're expecting so if i stop expecting i'm not standing in faith now for some people it's just emotion if it's just emotion you know emotion is emotion is emotion it's here today it's gone tomorrow it may be gone two minutes Some of you were laughing a couple minutes ago. Now you're not laughing at all. Emotion comes and goes. But is it expectation of what God's going to do? We need to guard that sense of expectation. So let me just give you a couple real quick thoughts. We need to guard our passion for God's promise. Man, I'm telling you folks, there is nothing in my life I'm more passionate about than what God promised me. There's nothing in my life that I'm more passionate about. Who God says I am and what God says I can do and who God says I will become. I'm more passionate about that than anything else in life. I am. Now, some of you may not believe this. I'm even more passionate about that than I am that new mid-engine Corvette that's coming out in a few months. I am more passionate still about God's word. And I'm kind of passionate about that. But not like this. Because this is, heaven and earth is going to pass away, but this is never going to pass away. Stuff's going to come and go. This is not going to come and go. I'm more passionate about this than I am my wife. She's not here this morning. Don't tell her I said that, but (laughs) she's probably watching online. Sweetheart, I love you, but you're still second. She knows that. She knows that. She knows that. Hang on to that passion. Guard your passion for God's promises. Another thing, guard your time with God. If you spend time with God, it it just keeps watering that seed and watering that promise, that crop that's been planted. It just keeps watering it. It helps you hold on to that passion and that expectation. Guard your time with God. Maintain your sense of urgency. Maintain that sense of urgency. It could be today. It could be today. It could be today. It could be today. It could be any moment now. Guard that sense of urgency. Maintain it. And then 
embrace God's process. I talked about this early on in this series. It's process. From the time you ask till the time you receive, there's a process in here. Embrace the process. Don't get angry at it. Don't get mad at God because it's not in your time frame. Embrace the process. Realize that God is walking you by faith where you need to go to receive what he has for you, what he's promised. So guard your sense of expectation, number two. Number three, release actions that agree with your faith. Release actions of faith, release words of faith, release actions that agree with your faith. Don't be releasing things that disagree with what you've asked God for. Now let me give you some scriptural examples of this, or at least one real quickly, because I've got to move fast here. You know, when God asked Abraham to offer up his son, he took Isaac, his son, he went on a journey, I think it was three days. They saw this mountain, and God says, go up on top of that mountain and offer your son as a sacrifice. So he takes his son, tells the servants, we're going up on top of the mountain, you stay here. We're going to go worship and come back. He has that faith, he's going to offer his son as a sacrifice, and then God's going to raise him from the dead, and he's coming back down the mountain. That's what Abraham thinks. They start the journey up the mountain. They get to the top, they build the altar, and the boy finally looks at his dad and said, you know, we got everything except... A sacrifice here where's the sacrifice abraham says god will provide that notice this he builds that altar he lays his son on the on the altar now in the old testament a sacrifice was an animal that they laid out they cut its throat drained away the blood and then they burned it that's what abraham believes god's asked him to do he lays his son on the altar and it's not until Abraham raises the knife that God sends an angel to say, stop right there. Stop right there. The reason so many of us get in trouble with our faith is if God said, go three days journey, we would say, no, I'm believing you to bring it here. <laughs> offer, offer your, put your child on the altar. Oh, I'm not going to do that. That's my child. See, all, listen, all of Abraham's future, everything God promised him was wrapped up in his son. God said, give it back to me. And he did. And when he went to raise the knife, God stopped him. The problem is some of us are afraid to raise the knife. Some of us are afraid to walk with God by faith. It's like, oh, I don't want to do something stupid. Well, I don't want you to do anything stupid either. But sometimes God will ask us to do things that he can honor his word in our lives. This is a good example. Now, I'm not, please, 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 please. I'm not telling you to go home, put your kid on an altar, and raise up the butcher knife. I'm not talking about that. Okay? That's silliness. What I'm telling you is, God told, and we, I use this in one of these messages. God had the children of Israel with the priests step into the waters of Jordan and stand there holding the Ark of the Covenant. And when they got their feet wet, God showed up. Some of us are afraid to get our feet wet. We need to take some steps of faith as God leads us. And we need to speak things out of our mouths that agree with what God has said, not what other people think. We need to align our actions with our faith. Because faith walks right into the next intersection of God's provision. See, it's not about timing. It's about the process. You keep walking, and when you get to the intersection, provision will be there. But you've got to keep walking. Because God's probably not going to send it to your address. He could, but he wants you to walk by faith to that intersection. 
Number four, I've got to finish. Look at Matthew 6 real quickly. Matthew chapter 6. This is good. Man, I'm, I'm going to buy the cassette of this. This is really good. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6. I love it when I say things like that because my son gets really frustrated with me. I can't believe you said cassette. Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Next verse. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Number four, I've got to be willing to extend forgiveness to other people. See, what what Jesus taught was this. If I have unforgiveness on this level and it plugs up my relationship with people, it also plugs up forgiveness on this level going this direction. Jesus, Jesus taught, some of you don't know this, Jesus taught, if you don't forgive people, God doesn't forgive you. People are trouble. People can do some hurtful things. But Jesus said, I have to learn to forgive them. And, and he, te- he tells a story. I'll summarize it for you in Matthew 18. Jesus said there's this guy, very wealthy guy, that he decided he wanted to kind of retire and settle all of his accounts. So he called everybody to him and said, everybody owes me money, you need to pay up now. And this one guy owed him literally millions of dollars. And the guy said, I don't have it, and I can't, I can't pay you. And the guy said, okay, they'll have to throw you in prison. You'll have to work it off. You and all your family, you work in prison until you pay back this debt. And this guy fell down before this, this ruler and said, please, 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 don't do this to me and my family. Give us a chance, and we'll go out and get the money. We'll, we'll earn it. We'll work hard, but don't put us in prison. And Scripture says that he was so moved with compassion that the ruler forgave him and just let the whole debt go millions of dollars he let it go said i forgive you go your way the same guy goes out and finds a guy who owed him 10 bucks and said hey where's my 10 dollars the guy said i don't have it i don't have it right now but i'll get it to you please give me a chance and he says no and he called and had this guy thrown into jail to work until he could pay it all back And when the ruler heard about it, he went back and got the guy who had already been forgiven and had him and his family thrown into the prison to stay there until they paid all their debt back. And he closes the story with this. Jesus said, that's what your heavenly father does to you when you don't forgive others. You may have all kinds of ideas about God, but it's just an argument. It's just a dispute. It's not even God's word. It's a demand that I release people And turn loose of bitterness and hard feelings and forgive. See, in essence, what Jesus said was, you're being forgiven this unbelievably big debt you could never repay, your debt of sin. If I can forgive you of that, how can you not forgive somebody who owes you 10 bucks? I'm going to pray in a moment. I would imagine there's some people here, you've had somebody hurt you. Maybe they don't even know it. Or maybe they know it, you think they haven't 
treated you right. Comes a point in time where you got to lay it down and say, God, I'm going to forgive and turn loose of it, let it go, because I don't want it to destroy my future. Unforgiveness will destroy your faith. It'll, destroy, it'll put you in bondage and destroy your future. You've got to be willing to forgive. Bow your heads this morning. I want to pray. Father, I pray for people all over this room today. Lord, we've talked about disputes. We've talked about keeping our expectation. We've talked about surrounding ourselves with voices of faith. We've talked about a lot of faith-building things, but we've also talked about forgiveness. God, I think the hardest challenge to walking by faith is dealing with people. This morning, Father, as the Holy Spirit touches people's hearts, there are people here who need to turn loose of some things. God, bring us to a place where we're willing to just turn loose and let go and let it die right there. We don't need to say another word, just forgive and let it go. Father, you told us we had to do this. You've forgiven us so much. We have to forgive others who've wronged us so little in comparison. Father, if there's anybody in our life who's wronged us that we've not forgiven, show us so we can turn loose of it. Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed, maybe you're here today and maybe this whole message is like, wow, I would love for God to get involved in my life, but I don't even know God. I'm not even in relationship with God. I don't even know what to expect from God. God loves you so much, friend, that he put his own son on a cross to pay for your failures, your sins, your past, so that that which had pushed you away from him could be moved out of the way and you could not only come into relationship with him, you could become his child, his son, or his daughter. You could join God's family. He extends that to everybody. It's called grace. He says, I put my own son on a cross to pay for your past, but you have to accept it. And let me forgive you. Maybe you're here today and you've never opened your heart and said, God, I need you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I want to pray a prayer. I want to lead you in this prayer. Give God a chance to work in your life. Everybody in the house, pray this with me. Say, God, I need you. So I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. Wipe out my past. I want to be your child. I want to know you. From this moment forward, I will learn your ways. And I will walk with you now and throughout eternity. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I claim Him as the Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now let me say one more thing here. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time or if you've been the prodigal on the run and you know it's time to come home, that prayer is not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. God's got so much for you. We want to give you a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's a simple tool that will help you start building your relationship with God, start teaching you how to walk with Him. I want to give it to you. When service is over, there will be prayer teams here at the front of the building, three different teams. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. You can get it and go. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to help you. Please let us give this to you. If you're in a really big rush just before you leave the building at the glass doors where you first came in, 
There's a counter right in the middle set up. You can stop there and ask for the same booklet. They'll give it to you, no strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Can we welcome new people into God's family today? God bless you. Now, one last thing. We, this is the time in service where we worship God with our giving. There's different ways you can give there on the screen. If you want to worship God with your giving today, we encourage you to do so. The ushers are preparing right now. I, I want to say just one simple thing. As you prepare to give, just know that your giving really is a testimony of God's goodness, God's faithfulness. It's a statement of your confidence in Him. It's a statement of, of your praise and your worship to Him. But it's also seed for your future believing God to touch other people's lives with your contribution and also bring it back into your life that you can be a blessing to people in the future. I want to encourage you to give in faith today and God will bless you as you give. God bless you today. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Ashley and we want you to know that we're thrilled that you and your family are here with us. If you're here with us for the first time, we want to give you a special welcome and say thanks for spending your Sunday with us. We would love to meet you today and help you get connected here in the church. So take a look at church news and let's see what's coming up at the bridge. Then we'll be right back to tell you how you can get involved. We're so thankful for every person who serves here at the Bridge Church. We sure are, and we want to do something special to honor you. So we are hosting a volunteer appreciation breakfast on Sunday, November 25th, immediately following both of our morning services. It will be held in the Youth Center. And this is for every person who serves in any capacity at the Bridge and for those who lead connect groups. That's right. We can't wait to see you there the Sunday after Thanksgiving, November 25th. See you there. The November edition of Bridge Men is coming up this Tuesday, November 13th. Every man is invited to join us for a powerful night of fellowship and the teaching of God's Word as we talk about pressing forward and going the distance in the life God has called us to. The evening kicks off at 6.30 p.m. when drinks and snacks will be provided. Guys, we hope to see you here on Tuesday, November 13th at 6.30 p.m. for Man to Man. Connecting Point is happening tonight at 6 p.m. You might be wondering, what is Connecting Point? Well, if you're new to the church and you're looking to find out more about the history, vision, and heartbeat of the Bridge Church, Connecting Point is the place to come. Maybe you've been a part of the Bridge for a while now and you're ready to take your next step and serve somewhere in the church. We ask everyone who wants to serve at the bridge to first come to Connecting Point. Or maybe you haven't quite put your roots down yet, but you feel like it's time to say the bridge is my home church. Connecting Point is the place to come. We want to meet you and help you take your next steps in church life. So make your plans to be here tonight at 6 p.m. Child care is provided for all kids, infant through fifth grade. We'll also have complimentary coffee and snacks. This is a very casual evening that lasts about one hour, and we would love for you to come. Just sign up at the Connection Center before you go today so that we can prepare for you. We hope to see you tonight at 6 p.m. at Connecting Point. today we would love to meet you at the connection center right after this service our team is there to welcome you answer your questions and give you all the details about how you can get involved here at the bridge take a few minutes to stop by and say hi before you go today 
we want to do our best to help you get connected in church life. Once again, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, please come get your free copy of The Next 7 Days from one of our prayer teams or at The Next 7 Days desk before you go. We want to help you take your next steps in your walk with God. For info on anything else, you can always check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Thanks again for being in church with us today. We love spending Sundays with you. Just before we go, I want to throw out two or three thank yous real quickly. Uh, first of all, thank you to everyone who sat and stayed until service was over. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Uh, a couple of things. Many of you brought groceries today for our Thanksgiving uh, outreach that we do. Next Sunday, we're going to have uh, Thanksgiving dinners for 250 families. That's a lot of ham, a lot of turkeys. You guys brought food today, left it behind your cars. They picked it up in the parking lot. They'll be sorting that out. And community care team, thank you so much for all the hard work you put in back there. I promise you it's touching a lot of people's lives, and I appreciate it so very much. And if, if you've never been to Connecting Point, tonight at 6 o'clock, we'll start. It'll be last about an hour. It's a great time of just sharing the vision, helping you get better connected here at the Bridge Church. I look forward to seeing you tonight. Sign up at the Connection Center so we can make plans for your children. Come get here early and have a cup of coffee with us. It's going to be awesome tonight. God bless you. I love you. Bridge Women this week, Man to Man Tuesday night. It's going to be a great week. Have a great, great day.